0: This is how you create content that Google cannot ignore. Hi. I'm Joe Kraus, host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast, and today I'm speaking with Bernard Huang, who is a co-founder of ClearScope, which is the leading SEO content optimization platform. Before that, he started an SEO consulting agency, which we talk about in the podcast episode. He was also a part of the 500 Startups distribution team and flipped his own website, Twitch Metrics. In this podcast episode, we talk about Twitch Metrics, we talked about how that started, how that evolved, and how they actually sold Twitch Metrics. And we also talked about the things that he learned through the sales process of selling his online business with his business partner, why he sold his business, which is really important to understand. And I think understanding the focus of why he should sell and something else, a part of that, I'm going to let you find out in the podcast episode because it's very interesting. I think you should have that focus on that particular thing. But throughout this, after we talk about him selling the business, we talk about content and content for Google and creating content for Google because that's what a lot of his ClearScope company is about. We talk about topical authority content versus high search intent. What topical authority content looks like, what it should include. We talk about high search intent content and the keywords and what type of keywords they actually look like. We also talk about the ratio you should have and experiment with between topical authority content, how much of that you should have versus how much high search intent content you should have. We also talk about how you should be creating high search Intent content articles and how valuable they should be, and why they should be, you know, about a particular product that has been reviewed by a real person. We also talk about black hat SEO strategies that you should not be doing or should not try. We also talk about the Google Helpful Content Update, what's involved in that, what we should be looking out for. I also share a way, just one way, that you can create better product reviews that actually builds EAT, helps you have a higher conversion rate which makes you more money, but also allows you to get more traffic. So it's like a triple whammy it's such a valuable thing. And that's just one way that I like to help people think about building AIT traffic and income through their content sites. Something I don't regularly share out here on the podcast. Also talk about the relevance of backlinks now how relevant they are and we also talk about how important they may be in the future. We also talk about AB testing your content and SEO and we talk about ClearScope, what it was built for, how it was built for editorial content and bloggers and how it actually works. Now, this is such a valuable podcast episode. Bernard is actually an SEO wizard He's been a great SEO for some of the biggest brands out there and he has so much to share and so many profound insights in this podcast episode that you are absolutely going to love. Also, another thing that you're gonna love is knowing that this podcast is not the only way that I can help you for free. If you wanna get some of our free resources, go to buyingonlinebusinesses.com forward slash free resources. I have frameworks on how to buy businesses and things about growing businesses on that page too, so check that out. Let's dive into the episode. Bernard, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for your time and coming on.
1: Jared, thanks for having me. It's it's an honor.
0: Yeah, man, this is going to be a fun chat. I'm looking forward to learning and picking your brain personally, and then also sharing a lot about what you know, not just in SEO, but some of the cool things you've done in business. So the first thing I wanted to chat to you about is you are uh, you start you, you know you started a business you st- more starting businesses from scratch and you mentioned before we hit the record button you probably do want to go down the the acquisition uh, and purchasing businesses which we may end up talking about in this podcast twitch metrics which what is twitch metrics twitch metrics is a business that you started what what is it what was it and then you flip this right yep
1: That's right. So Twitch, for those of you that are unaware, is a video streaming platform specifically around gaming, although it seems like they've advanced to other things like music concerts and uh, just chatting, just live streaming anything, really. But it started primarily in, in gaming. My business partner and I have been very passionate about the idea of electronic sports or competitive gaming for as long as we can remember. He was really big into World of Warcraft. I was big into RuneScape and the smaller kinds of games. And when Twitch first launched, we watched a lot of it. It's very reminiscent of those of you that are really into sports, where you kind of get out of that age where you can't play professional soccer or football or whatnot, but you still want to pay attention and, you know, be in the game. I think that's kind of where Twitch has found its niche. And we thought it'd be really cool to scrape the viewership data of Twitch and graph everyone's trajectory in terms of viewer hours, watch time, follower growth in what you know as the common um tools that help with say twitter follower growth or you know facebook Mm. follower growth so my business partner he's technical he's full stack he basically tapped into the twitch api and pulled their their viewer data every 10 minutes as long as you are a partnered streamer and had more than 10 viewers we were graphing we were taking that data from Twitch and graphing everyone's performance on on the internet. So, you can imagine if you were a popular streamer, you would search your Twitch handle and, you know, it might be like Ninja who's popular at Fortnite or Pokimane who's popular at yeah. just being an entertainer and our website would pop up It would also pop up for searches like League of Legends game statistics or viewership numbers because we had all of the the game data as well. And so Twitch Metrics started as a passion project and then got up to millions of sessions a month
0: yeah cool. mostly that's really really cool and so like how did you monetize this before you and i want to talk about the sales process how did you monetize this so you've got lots of sessions did you just put some ads on or did you allow more metrics for paid memberships to for people to be able to grow their channels or what something different i guess
1: (laughs) great great question and i think that software has always been something that my business partner and I love and want, not necessarily media and ads. So we actually never really tried the whole RPM, you know, slap a bunch of banner ads on it. I did some rough math and it alluded to the idea that we could be making, you know, X thousands of dollars a month from RPM. But that wasn't something that we were really that interested in. Instead, we were actually more interested in the, the the note that you mentioned around, you know, selling access to deeper, more robust data, because we were getting a lot of interest from mm. these are like professional sports teams. I forget off the top of my head, but like the N one of the NHL teams in like Florida wanted to buy data to use in a deck and Goldman Sachs actually reached out and they wanted to use Twitch metrics data in a earnings report talking about Activision Blizzard and Pokimane as the most popular female streamer. I like had a Skype call with her where she was very interested in knowing her audience overlap with other popular streamers so that she could know like when she would likely go live and in what categories that her audience was was interested in, so overall, there was a good amount of business demand in a more robust data set surrounding the you know ins and outs of mm. all of these game viewership numbers. but we were really focused on on Clearscope, which was is our other software product and basically when it came time to to pick and choose we decided that Clearscope was going to be the one where we we scaled it and that meant that twitch metrics had to had to be sold or shut down
0: yeah right yeah well you just answered the next question i had <laughs> around why why sell um so when you came to the decision right cool Clearscope, and we're going to get to that in our in our discussion what that is everything about that, once you realize, all right, cool, it's, it's time for Twitch metrics to go. What did you learn about did, Were there some things that you needed to do to get the business ready for sale? Uh, what are some of the things that you learned through that sales process that other people listening may like really get a lot of insights if they're thinking about selling their business?
1: Yeah, I think that it really depends on what you're looking to sell in terms of the the asset, right? There there's a variety of different metrics that a potential acquirer is going to evaluate your website on. One of them is just straight straight traffic, right? That's probably, you know, the barrier entry level is if we're talking about content sites, you know, how much traffic is this getting and where are the different sources coming from. It's probably more valuable if you have a variety of different data sources, which doesn't make you prone to being crushed by a Google update, right? If you can say, Hey, I'm getting a lot of traffic from, from Facebook or Instagram, or, you know, there's a big email list that Mm -hmm. you can, you can also sell. So what is the asset and what are the different traffic sources that it's getting from there? one level above that is is going to be revenue right how much revenue is the the website bringing in and also what type of revenue is it so you're going to have and you know i'm sure jared has talked about this at length but you're going to have different <laughs> multiples based on what kind of website it is you know fba sites are are going to be valued very differently than online media sites, which will be valued very differently than software sites. And, you know, those numbers will depend greatly on how much revenue you're doing. Bigger is always better. And the multiples yeah. on on those will get bigger if you're bigger. So mm-hmm. those are gonna be-
0: <laughs> Well, yeah. within the business model, yeah.
1: Yeah, business model is key. From there, I mean, you know, one level above revenue is what you'd call EBITDA or, you know, earnings before tax interest and like accrual. And that's basically, okay, well, you know, how much are you paying your team, the contractors that are supporting this? And at the end of the day, what is the profit that somebody is taking home from this particular business? And that's oftentimes where, at least, you know, the smaller the website is, the more it graduates into talking about Ibiza. Whereas the larger the website is, the more it's going to graduate to be talked about revenue. So, um, yeah, smaller websites will 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 sell at different Ibiza like sorts of things, and it's just important to understand, you know, where what the acquirer is trying to what's their goal with purchasing your business? And again, for the most part, for most of you listening, it's it's going to be, be EBITDA, but you can imagine there are strategic ways that you can frame your business where you can sell actually mo- more based on revenue or, or traffic depending on you know, how you wanna position your business to be sold. So that's kind of my take on that.
0: Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, um, I'm so glad that you mentioned the diff- different traffic sources, um, and they, you know what we what I like to call single source dependency. If you've got all your traffic coming just from Google, and there's that risk that Google can have an algorithm change, and your site is not within the policy <laughs> terms, and then you can lose some traffic. Um, if if most of the traffic's coming from Google, but then we have different types of traffic. Like you said, Facebook, uh, Instagram, you know, a lot of content sites that have dug into Pinterest over the last few years and got a lot of Pinterest traffic um, because that's a search engine. I have my take on Pinterest as well uh, personally for content sites and the intent of the traffic. And that's what I want to talk to you about is uh, loop this into a important question that I want to unpack with you about the intent of traffic. So the intent of traffic from Facebook compared to Google is very different. The same as Google traffic compared to Pinterest traffic and then Pinterest traffic compared to Instagram traffic and then all the other platforms. So, and, and you've talked about as well at length, um, search intent and helping people understand search intent to find better keywords, to get more traffic. Tell me, tell me your take on this on the different types of intents of traffic and um, the value that can come from the in, knowing the intent and understanding the intent of that traffic.
1: Oh yeah, no, I mean, there's there's so much to unpack there.
0: Yeah, sorry. I no, was very no, open no, it's good. Just on one question. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> this is why you know Google is one of the most valuable businesses. Um, on the planet earth, right? Is because they have a search engine that's dialed into intent, right? When somebody searches best fishing rod, they know that you're researching, right? Like which fishing rods that you should, you should (laughs) buy. You know, if Google serves you an ad about fishing rods, because you, you know, expressed in your, you know, profile that you went fishing, it's, less clear that you're on the market for a fishing rod, right? It's more clear that you're interested in Facebook. And, you know, that's probably why Facebook is, well, one of the most valuable businesses on, on the internet as well, is that they have interest intent, but Google has transactional, like commercial intent based on exactly what you're searching for. And, you know, the fact that Pinterest is, is all a valuable company, but not nearly as valuable as the other ones also just speaks to the type of intent that Pinterest is, is able to, to gather. So, you know, in my opinion, if we're just talking straight intent, like traffic from Google is the most valuable and you're not going to get better than that unless you have an email list. And, you know, if you have an email list, chances are you're not running a content site. <laughs> chances are yeah. you're running... Which is I,
0: unfortunate, right? Yeah. They should have an email list. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 Chances are you're running, you know, either a membership, a, a course, a, you know, like an access to uh, yeah, a Discord or something, right? That's more membership driven. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can take lists and turn them into businesses, but it's a completely different beast altogether
0: and i would yeah and i would say that yeah the email list has a higher intent than google search traffic but also there are there you know there there's some caveats within that like you can have a remarketing list that you have built on google which is gonna be a more targeted list and maybe on facebook maybe but also um, on YouTube or all, the, all these different platforms. I was basically, if you look at it as a re, and we could put email list into basically being a retargeting list as well. Uh, but I just wanted to like, I wanted to expand this a little bit more, just for people that don't really understand what we mean by intent. When you think about, people going to Google, what are they going to Google for? They're going to Google for answers in the most basic term, right? They're going for answers to find out how they answer their question, like what type of fishing rod should I buy? They're very close to buying a fishing rod. Whereas if you're on Facebook, you're not on Facebook to buy a fishing rod. You're on Facebook to look at pictures of friends, family, dogs, babies, and events that might be happening, really. And when a fishing rod pops up, you might be might be interested in it, but your level of interest isn't as high as I'm actually going to Google to find out which type of fishing rod to buy is so much closer to buying. I just wanted to expand that because some people may have not grasped what we meant by that. So then once we understand the search intent, how do we start to evolve? And this could be sometimes for affiliate sites and it could be also be for just straight up ad revenue sites. How do we evolve our And once we understand Google being the most valuable source of, I would say, organic traffic for search intent, how do we evolve our keyword strategy to go, what are the best types of keywords with the highest level of intent?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Content side. Totally. I think that, you know, what people would generally peg down is, is those very long tail searches. And for those of you who don't know what long tail is, it's usually a search phrase that includes three, five different characters, right? You could be like best fishing rods under $50 with real or something like that, right? It's very specific. It's very long. So those are going to be the highest value keywords from an intent perspective, because when somebody is typing something that long (laughs) into Google, chances are they've already done a lot of research, right, compared to somebody who's searching for fishing rods, or even best fishing rods, right? It's Mm. like layers and layers like below. The other interesting thing, if we're talking about intent, which you might have been hearing thrown around, is topical authority, And topical authority is this idea that Google is very good about understanding what your website should be ranking for based on what the content is and how the current performance of that content should look. So you kind of hear this advice, right? Just, you know, don't always go after the highly valuable, super juicy keywords like, Best fishing rod under two hundred dollars. Also, create content around benefits of a fly fishing rod versus a real fishing rod, or you know, what is a fishing rod, or how do fishing rods work? And you need these supporting pieces of content to prove to Google that you are an authority on fishing rods to then qualify to rank for best fishing rod or best fishing rod under $200. So now you have like a couple of concepts at play, right? You have search intent, which is what are your money keywords, right? If you were to rank for this, is this going to pull in, you know, a good amount of affiliate revenue for you? But then you also have topical authority, which is juggling how much supporting content that you have. That's not really that high intent, but, Mm. putting it into place so that you can prove to Google that your content, your website should rank for content associated with fishing rods in the first place.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love that explanation. Thank you so much. And so if you got high level search intent, keywords and content you're creating, and then you got topical authority content, I I would dare say that the topical authority Keywords and articles that you're creating have a higher search volume than the search the high level search intent. Because then the question becomes how do you how do you juggle how many pieces of content you create for a search intent and then how many do you create for topical authority and how aggressive do you go in each each of those content strategies? <laughs> now we're going deep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I have some high level thoughts and don't quote me on this, but it's generally what I've seen is as low as a three to one ratio is like, okay, if you're talking about if you want to rank for best fishing rods, you have three supporting pieces of content that are not transactionally relevant whatsoever to fishing. So what is a fishing rod? advantages of fishing rods and you know Mm -hmm. how fishing rods work and then you have best fishing rods we've seen also you know i would say that's that's pretty aggressive (laughs) in terms of the supporting like content is a three to one ratio i'd say what's Mm -hmm. normal more normal is like an eight to one ratio right? So you can imagine best fishing rods, and then you have, you know, what it is, how it works, why it's important, you know, fishing rods versus, you know, other types of fishing rods, different types of fishing rods, and then your best fishing rods, that's going to be like a more healthy looking ratio. I don't know, like, that's, there's a such thing as what, you know, I'm saying that Google's like, really, like, oh, yeah, it's a three to one ratio. It's on the The thinner side, I don't think that that's how it really works, but just general observations in terms of like a healthy uh, mix of informational research and, you know, juicy money pages.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So because this is why this is the conundrum that people have when they come to the Internet. And they, their goal is, I want to make money online. It's like, how do I make as much money as fast as I can? And they have a very short-term focus because they're like, I need to, I need to just replace my income, which is a great, a great goal. Rather than think about, I need to replace my income, but I want it to be so secure, and I want to build a really good brand and make a really good impact, and have all these other goals. And I get where people are at. You know i was there in the survival phase of needing to get out of that nine to five thing so i definitely understand the energy towards trying to make as much money as possible as soon as possible (laughs) yeah uh but the long the long game is 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 very important and google is really knuckling down and identifying this and this is what bigger brands and better businesses do is they and we this will probably loop back into some of the stuff about the helpful content update as well is that if you're less aggressive on trying to extract money as soon as possible and more aggressive on maybe you do have eight topical authority articles to one and you're just making a big impact there's a couple of things that can happen there google can see that all right, you're not just trying to just get as much money from people <laughs> as quickly as they can after they come out of Google or come from Google. Um, you're adding so much value to them. And then what can happen in your business is because you're adding so much value, the trust builds, the relationship builds, that it becomes a no-brainer. That Like when they see your you know, article on the best fishing rods, they've just read eight articles or th- maybe three or five from you and just got so much value that that would be silly not to go to your recommendations right is that what yours is that what you're seeing with the helpful content update or let's sort of we can unpack that as well
1: yeah I guess. no there's there's i think a couple of threads there to to unpack so i am of the belief that google the way that google's algorithm works currently can be best centered around what I'll call user engagement signal, even though it's not specifically that. Like, you know, some SEOs will fight me tooth and nail to say that Google does not use user engagement signal. They use, you know, a variety of different factors that allude to whether or not the user found what they needed. And I'm just gonna simplify that and say Google uses user engagement signal. So, Essentially, what you could imagine Google is doing is that Google is running an infinity A-B test. If you don't know what an A-B test is, it's literally in its simplest way. You serve one user, one variant of something. And we'll just say for this example, you have a landing page and there's a blue button and it says sign up. And then you have another landing page that has a red button and it says sign up. Everything else is identical. And an A-B test literally then presents this data over a wide amount of users until it finds statistical significance in that the people click more on the red button rather than the blue button, in which case you can declare that the blue button or the red button is is more satisfactory and will generate higher click-through rates. So that's an A-B test in simplicity. You can imagine when I say infinite A-B test, A search engine results page is literally a page that has usually 10 slots of search results. And you can imagine for the sake of simplicity, we'll just say there's rank number one and rank number two. Rank number one is going to be bestfishingrods.com and rank number two is going to be REI. So in you know, this variant, we have bestfishingrods.com rank number one, REI rank number two, and Google is gonna present that to a set of users who Googled best fishing rods. Google's gonna see, okay, you know, how many people are clicking on result number one, and then subsequently going back to the search results and clicking on result number two, in which case SEOs might call this pogo sticking but jumping around right, in different search results. And they're gonna say, okay, well, let's say for this particular example, 40% clicked on result number one, and then 50% clicked on result number two. Well, Google's gonna say, well, all right, that REI thing, like. You know, lots of people want that. So why didn't, why don't we have an experiment where we're going to put REI as rank number one and best fishing rods as rank number two? And then you see like 60% click on REI, 30% click on best fishing rods. And now Google says, okay, great. Well, then REI deserves to be number one because, right, more people are clicking on it and then less people are subsequently going back to Google and doing something else. Um, the going back to Google and doing something else is exactly the point that Google's actually looking at Google's come out and say, okay, we don't care about click through rates. We don't care about pogo sticking, but what they've been, I think pretty much like saying is that they care about subsequent actions. So you can imagine they care if somebody clicks on page two, like, Oh, maybe that page one was not good. They care if somebody clicked on images, that's how you see an image carousel graduate into the slot of 10. They care if somebody clicks on videos, that's how you see a video carousel graduate into the slot of 10. And they care about all of the subsequent searches. So if I search best fishing rod, I clicked on result number one, clicked on two, three, four, five. And then I went back to Google and said, best fishing rods under 200, Google's going to know that and say, okay, maybe in the future for best fishing rods, I should include one result that comes from best fishing rods under 200, right? If there's enough people that do that. So topical authority basically speaks to this fact that should somebody perform an additional search, your content is there and serving the user and Google knows that, right? So I might have started with different types of fishing rods and then REI came up and that's great. And then I typed in best fishing rods and then REI came up again. And Google saying, okay, you know, this this brand and website knows how to write about fishing rods. So they deserve all of these different positions surrounding it because, right, it's doing a good job meeting the needs of the searcher. So that's like one part of what what you were talking about and then the google helpful content update i think is is something you know interesting but different altogether than what has been happening with this machine learning and user engagement signal testing
0: yeah awesome so topical content topical authority content is very very valuable it just comes back to authority not just the more eyeballs human eyeballs on your rei domain, but also Google seeing your domain multiple times for multiple search phrases or you know keywords uh, on, on that domain. So very key to, to, to topical authority can help you actually increase rankings um, for your money pages, really.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perhaps the most important thing that many people don't talk about is actually navigational searches. So for those of you that are unaware of what a navigational search is, a navigational search is basically a lazy way of searching for a brand and a specific product or piece of content within that brand. So the most common example that's the easiest to wrap your head around is Amazon, right? Have you ever gone to Google and just said like Amazon backpack? And then, you know, it basically took you to Amazon's category page on backpacks. That yeah. is what a navigational search is. And that is what instructs Google about how brands should be associated with very high-level like, topics to lower-level categories, is that yeah, wow. you can That's imagine right. if people are searching for fishing rods... And, you know, we'll say Bernard, myself, sells fishing rods, and I want Bernard's fishing rods to rank for fishing rod. How do you do that? A lot of people say, well, you just got to build a bajillion backlinks. And then it's like, no, no, I don't think so. (laughs) That's not how you do that. How you do that is when somebody performs a search for fishing rod, you need to convince a significant amount of those people that a search engine results page without Bernard's fishing rods is an unsatisfactory experience. How you do that is that they search for fishing rods, they don't see Bernard's fishing rods, but that's actually what they wanted to see. So they now have to go back to Google and search again for Bernard's fishing rods. Get my website and click on that domain and conclude their search journey performing no additional actions on Google. I have to convince, you know, say there's a 100,000 people searching for fishing rods every month. It's a significant amount is not that high, right? If you've got 500 or a 1,000 people to do that, you would literally then be training Google's machine learning to say, hey, yeah, the search engine results page is not good unless it has Bernard's fishing rods. And that's actually how you uh rank for rank for that, which is why PR is is a thing, right? Like if you ran a Super yeah. Bowl commercial that was like, buy your fishing rods at Bernard's Fishing Rods, and people were like, great, that's exactly what I wanted and typed in fishing rod. And like, where's Bernard's fishing rod? Right. Yeah, I'm creating now a lot of navigational searches that associate my brand with that particular uh, search. And that's um anyways another thing yeah, that's cool. that that's people really cool to understand
0: how it's really cool to understand like that's why branding campaigns work is getting your name in front of people and then when they go to google or somewhere to search it they're, they're training google to say like hey it needs to have that brand in the in the keyword
1: yeah yeah so and then there's there's the helpful content update i think yeah. version one of the helpful content update we just did kind of a like a roundtable discussion with some of the top SEOs about this. You have Aleda, Kevin Indig, Ethan Smith. I saw
0: Kevin was on there. We just had him on the podcast. Oh, nice.
1: Yeah. yeah. And our, our speculation, right, since it's still very early, is that this is like version one of Panda, like many years back. So Panda, if you're not familiar with it, was basically a duplicate or plagiarism content check. And the helpful content update, at least in its current form, looks like it's looking at specifically duplicative content, right? So Lyric websites is a good example that was brought up during the discussion. A Lyric website is literally duplicative (laughs) with all other Lyric websites. So a lot of those got slammed by the Google update because they were offering nothing new, or in SEO speak, people are calling this information gain. They were not mm. offering any information gain on the content. Uh, the website that actually came out as a winner was genius because they have a lot of user generated content, specifically mm. about, you know, what certain lyrics mean in, in the different phrases. Like
0: comments and stuff you mean on there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 So at least in the very first V1, uh, what the Google helpful content update looks like it's doing is that it's looking at just straight. Okay. This is plagiarized. Mm. <laughs> um, and you know, that's, it's very basic where, where we think that it's heading is more along this category of information gain, which is to say, okay, how much net new uniqueness is this topic adding to? or this piece of content adding to this topic. And the way that I've at least thought about it is is through the knowledge graph, which is a complicated way of saying something like topical authority, which is that Google knows that when you talk about fishing rods, you know, boats is kind of related, but not, you know, completely off par, like League of Legends, right? League of Legends and Fishing Rod, like, really don't yeah. go together. Boats is at least closer in terms of conceptual categorization. So, our, our guess, at least Ethan and I's guess, is that Google wants to know that if you're talking about fishing rods, that you're also mentioning, you know, what boat each fishing rod, like, might be, might be, like, better with Mm. and you know google wants to see that you've talked about boats and it's going to reward you for that but it's not going to reward you for literally putting in all kinds of random stuff (laughs) about something so unique that it's not even related to the topic that you're writing about so that's
0: so a unique perspective basically a unique perspective on what the topic is yeah not just unique as in so random that it's like, doesn't make sense, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. they're going to do that from, like, an entity, like, or in natural language processing, these would be, like, entities. So fishing rod yeah. and, you know, canoe. It's like, okay, you, you've you used canoe and nobody else has used canoe. Like, okay, maybe this piece of content deserves some additional attention because that, you know, we were looking for that information gain, or, you know, that interesting new content around that, that we think is tangentially related.
0: It's very, it's, it's very interesting. Like it's, the it, it starts to get quite technical with the keywords. I'm thinking about how does, how does one content creator just create awesome, unique content, but it's not just about creating great content that's got value but it is also really about having the right words that can get you ranked to get the right level of traffic or the right level of ranking as well so there's it really is the combination between an artful piece of content but the seo seo piece as well definitely how do you how do you explain to people to juggle that
1: yeah um (laughs) yeah it's it's hard I mean, you know, if, if we're just saying from like, I'll I put on my white hat, it's like, well, hire subject <laughs> matter experts, buy the product, like the, the yeah. products that you're reviewing take yeah. unique photos. Do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, like, you
1: know, people... We need more
0: people saying that stuff.
1: Yeah, people, people know. I mean, okay, I'm like deep, deep in the weeds and I... I know, um, you know that the majority of these pros and cons that are being written are are from people yeah. that have not at all touched touched the product. You know, I would three
0: images max written yeah. by somebody in Philippines and that's it. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, I wanna I wanna see you using the the, the fishing rod, right? I wanna see a fi- a big fat fish on the end of one of them that you bought under fifty dollars, <laughs> and yeah. I want to know why I should trust you. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, all right. That's me putting on, you know, my my white
0: No, but people are smart, man. People app. are smart, right? Like they want to. They they. Uh, somebody spoke to me about this the other day. They know nothing about making money online, but they're like, every time I go to find something to buy, it's like you've got all these people trying to sell me these crappy things with just images, pros and cons list, and and no and and they've who who is behind this website? Yeah, like there's no image at all. So that's that's putting on your your white SEO hat. Then putting got on some my white, and then you got some, some black.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, on the complete like end of the spectrum, you know, we can we can talk about some some crazy juice, right? If there is this idea of user engagement signal or pogo sticking going back to the search results, I've heard people who will manually redirect a chunk of the traffic—we'll call it like twenty to thirty percent—to their homepage. When you hit back through like mm. a meta refresh, um, you know kind of HTTP thing that you can do, and and that drives up your your user engagement signal. That's um, wow. you know kind of interesting. I've seen, I've heard a lot Is that of black hat ish. Oh yeah, that's that's like as yep. black as black Guts. Well, okay. you know, there's yep. there's blacker, but <laughs> um, <laughs> there there's also what is it oh yeah just click click stream manipulation right you just hire people you go to like mechanical turk although you know google's pretty smart where the ip addresses are coming from but you know if you literally told people to google fishing rod and navigate to bernard you know bernards fishing and click on that result that that boosts your your contents ability to rank and Google is more willing to test that. You know, you do that too much, and and Google flags you, and then you get basically delisted from the search engine results page. You get timed out because Google Google knows that you're doing you know shady click manipulation stuff. So you know that's these are ways to I guess like you know get your website off the ground when you're like kind of getting first getting started. Um, <laughs> Yeah. What a lot of people will also do is, you know, you can use GPT-3, some cool new natural language generation technology to write reviews, unique reviews for you, like of the products, like just create UGC. That's basically, you know, fake so that you have, you know, unique, interesting content to back up like your comment section. If like, you know, that's, that's what you wanted. So, you know, that's, that's more black of course but
0: yeah at least- let's put a let's put a cap on that we don't want to be um yeah it's interesting to know but i don't want to be having that go out into the world
1: <laughs> yeah no 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 you know these are yeah and then you know the grayer the grayer types of types of things are are just simply going to be um Yeah, really, you know, find striking the balance of not really having, you know, much subject matter expertise on, on the product or, or service and, and really, you know, trying to write like you do and really try to drive home the user to, to trust you and, you know, like kind of almost make up some, some criteria as to why they should trust you. But, you know, I'd say, that's more common than you would expect. It's
0: very common. It's very common, but I would urge people to be very creative about about this. Like if you've got a blog around fishing rods and you don't wanna write the contents, but you wanna have a really good review, like why don't you just go, hey, find a blogger that loves fishing and say, hey, can I buy you a fishing rod? And can you do a video review on it? Send it to me and we'll unpack that. We'll turn it into a blog post. That's good. It, that's great. EAT for the site, amazing. You've got a review from people that are fish, fisher people, and they trust. And you bought the rod. It's. I think that's. I think that's cool, right? You don't have to, you know, do it in a in a weird way that nobody, like literally nobody, who's buying a fishing rod likes or Google.
1: <laughs> definitely, definitely. And to to bring it around full circle to what you're you're saying when you're looking to buy or sell your website, you're gonna be grilled on on this this stuff. Like Mm. in and out, this is what somebody who's buying your website wants to know. Like we went through a variety of technical SEO audits and content SEO audits and black hat SEO audits. And Mm. that's always going to happen, especially if you're selling a content site that's specifically heavily focused on SEO, these people are smart, right? Buyers of websites are going to do their due diligence. And if they uncover unsavory backlink building techniques or you know, spun content or whatever, your website, even if it's making tens of thousands of dollars a month for you every month, it's not it's not going to have an easy time selling, right? Because at a moment's notice, this buyer knows that your website might just eat eat it from from Google and take a nosedive, mm-hmm. and they're not willing to take take that risk. So yeah. I would not recommend <laughs> any of the <laughs> the like unsavory techniques. And I think we are entering a world where backlinks are taking more of a backseat. They're still useful when you're getting started, but you know, instead of let's say you know you have. to work with. Instead of taking that $10,000 and budgeting $5,000 for backlinks and, you know, $5,000 for content, we're seeing more people say, okay, let's do $8,000 on on the content and maybe, Mm. you know, like $1,000 on the initial set of backlinks and Mm. really trying to focus more on the quality of the content. And that's to say, you know, instead of one piece, you know, paying, say, 10 pieces for $1,000, right? Like, get one piece for a thousand dollars and right like really hone in on that and then i mean this is like a complete no-brainer but just like ask yourself if you were to land on your own best fishing rods page would you would you be satisfied (laughs) (laughs) with with what you're reading and what you're getting and you know be truthful be honest and you know like if you are like, wow, that was, this is the best damn piece of content I've written around helping somebody find the best fishing rod, then, yeah. you know, you're, you're heading people, in the right
0: place. <laughs> more people need to be asking themselves that question for sure. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, ClearScope, let's, why, why did you decide to, I, I want to unpack this a, a bit. Why did you decide to go with ClearScope, scale that? What, what is it about and how does it work?
1: Yes. So ClearScope, is a software as a service company that my co-founder and I started about six years ago at this point. Before that, our background was actually as SEO consultants. We started an SEO agency called Mushi Labs that focused on helping large websites with programmatic SEO. So this is kind of important to understanding where why ClearScope came to exist. Mm. Yeah. So large website programmatic SEO, what is that? If you've been to a TripAdvisor page, a Zillow, Yelp page, mm-hmm. this is what a large website that employs programmatic SEO looks like. Generally, yes. you'll have a database of a lot of different records of things, and a programmatic website like TripAdvisor will take that and spin it into hundreds of millions of pages in TripAdvisor's case, sometimes hundreds of thousands. So what you end up doing as an SEO for a large website is more testing and more template driven, right? Like TripAdvisor has an attractions page. They have a category page. They have, you know, these different types of pages. And what you're doing is that you're saying, okay, I'm going to slice off Sydney. And in Sydney, what we're going to do is we're going to try a carousel of attractions where, you know, these are the top rated things. And, you know, in Melbourne, what we're going to do is we're going to just use a list and have it be card-driven. And then what you're doing is you're then measuring the impact of conversion rates, but also rankings on these different styles of pages, depending on you know, how people are engaging with them. And that's yeah. you know kind of what you find out is that, oh, okay, if the pages are more engaging, then your rankings go up. So anyways, we were doing a lot of SEO consulting, working with these large websites like DoorDash, Teespring, Strava, right? Very large websites and running these tests where we'd say to DoorDash, okay, you know, create this template that, that looks like this. And we're going to use that then to evaluate in that market, whether that test beat these other markets. And so you're constantly A-B testing, right? The best user experience that will then produce more conversions for your website, but also improve your your rankings. And one of the tests that we we ran was to use natural language processing on top-ranking Google content to inform how a piece of content should be shaped. So like a good example is you're searching for the things to do in Sydney, Australia. And of course, you're going to see Opera House show up. As, as like an entity. So what we would do is we would say, okay, well, if you're talking about the things to do in, in Sydney, then you got to talk about Opera House. like. And so we then included that as a recommendation in terms of what the client should include on their page. And we ran that as a test. Long story short, results came back phenomenally for our set of clients and we're like okay well awesome. let's uh let's take this and you know turn it into something clear scope is then a content optimization tool and it helps you think through what a high quality piece of content should look like for any topic that you're you're writing about and gives you the recommendations to say talking about things to do in sydney you got to include opera house and all these other attractions because that's what we see Google's knowledge graph associating with this particular topic.
0: Yeah, cool. And so is this just for large sites wanting programmatic SEO as well as content optimization for p- those particular pieces of the content? Or is it, or is it for any, any sort of blogger that wants to just create b- great pieces of the content, but know what they should have in that? One article, I guess. Yeah. 10 articles, very topical authority.
1: Yeah. No, it's actually for more of the blogger, the long form content writer. So if we talk about the two major branches of SEO, you have programmatic and you have editorial. And yeah. where ClearScope really shines is to, in the editorial, yeah. basically, we help with optimizing quality content. And where Google cares most about quality content, is in editorial content, right? When you're talking about like a landing page, like the things to do in Sydney, where it's kind of got a lot of user-generated content, what users in Google cares about is more things like user-generated content, pictures, multimedia. Quality content is still a factor. It's just maybe 10% instead of 30%, which is what you see with the longer form editorial stuff.
0: Love it, love it. Cool. Uh, so, where can people go check out ClearScope and more about what you're doing as well? By yeah. the way, I, before before all that, i have to say thank you so much for for everything you've shared. It's been it's been really good to chat to you. Oh, really I'm glad. I'm, sure I'm glad. Else does too. Yeah. yeah.
1: No. You you can find out more about me on on Twitter at Bernard J Huang. You can find out more about Clearscope by going to our website, clearscope.io, and we we're helping people really think about creating quality content and making sure that their resources and dollars are are going into the right place. We don't, you know, want to pollute the ever growing landfill of content that exists out there. We want to make sure that you know you're creating the high quality stuff. And we'll arm you with the tools and the workflows to to make that happen. And yeah, that's what we do.
0: Love it, Bernard. Thank you so much. And not just thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for doing what you're doing with ClearScope. The internet needs it, we need it. Um, So we, we really appreciate you coming on and sharing this and doing what you do. Also, for those that are listening, thank you so much for listening. If you have a website and you're generating content, make sure you check out ClearScope. If you know somebody else that has a website or is going to buy a website and they're going to be creating content, make sure they come and listen to this podcast episode. There's so much value. I would even suggest you as a listener, listen to this again in maybe a couple of weeks time to pick up on those things that you didn't pick up on, like when you read a book a year ago and you relearned all the things that you missed. Thank you so much again, Bernard, and thanks everybody for listening.